Welcome to Immersed in Theology. This is the podcast where graduate students talk theology, church, and life. Please enjoy the conversation. All right, welcome to the Immersed in Theology podcast. Take two. I'm going to be honest, this is take two. Uh, my name is Nate, and uh, it's a small crew. It's just me and Andrew here today. Hey, guys. Thanks for checking in. Yeah, awesome. Thank you guys for all, all of our listeners, probably all five, six, mostly just immersed mentors, and then the other random people that for some Pretty reason much. listen to what we talk Pretty about. Much, yeah. um, hopefully, we don't lead them too far astray. Yeah. Uh, today, we are looking at um, Canadian Baptist uh, history, how the Baptist movement kind of um, occurred across Canada, what kind of happened in there, uh, some of the key players, some questions, some things to look at, and so we are going to take the next number of minutes just to do that, to explore some of these ideas. Um, yeah. yeah. Nate, uh, take us take us along. How did, how did this happen, the Baptist movement across Canada? Yeah, so to understand what happened with the Baptist movement or the church movement across Canada as well, baptism, uh, ba- not baptism, Baptists kind of were <laughs> lumped in with some other things happening at the same time. But to understand what was going on, you have to go back uh, to uh, the 1740s and really look at the Great Awakening that was occurring in uh, New England. So this was that crazy revival movement um, that occurred with uh, George Whitfield, Jonathan Edwards, you know, big players, big guys like that, um, who just saw this insane move of God uh, through their churches, through their cities and things like that. And so uh, out of that movement throughout the seven, uh, starting in like the 1740s, um, you had, you know, jumping forward a few decades into 1770s, 1780s, um, you had them moving up into Atlantic Canada, specifically Mm -hmm. Nova Scotia. And so, the whole Baptist movement and the movement of churches coming into um, Canada actually just, it was birthed out of the Great Awakening, which is cool to like think that, you know, we're part of a Baptist church now um, and the roots of what we came from actually is connected to the Great Awakening and Jonathan Edwards and George Whitfield, right. um, which is kind of nuts. Um, so the first Baptist church that was actually established in Canada, to be honest, it didn't last very long, um, <laughs> but it was 1763 in Nova Scotia. Um and this church actually chose to include those not baptized by uh, immersion, um, which was a point of contention because obviously this was a main thing for Baptist churches. But Baptist denomination was that people were to be baptized by immersion. Um, and even there was this whole thing with Baptists where it's like, you know, if you weren't baptized by immersion, you couldn't take communion. Uh, mm-hmm. Anyway, so this Baptist church that popped up in Nova Scotia was like, ah, not a big deal. Right. Um, but ultimately that church didn't last that long. So uh, anyway, so that's like, like the first kind of movement of it. But it's interesting to note that um, as this New England congregationalism, uh, this movement came up from New England and the northern United States, uh, you already had like divisions in it. You had the split into two camps. Uh, so you had the more conservative variety, that side of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you also have the revivalist types. So this is your Jonathan Edwards, your George Whitfields. Okay. Uh, and as they moved up into Atlantic Canada, into Canada at large, they were kind of known as the New Lights Movement. That came. So that's the revivalist type, the, you know, a little less conservative. Um, and a guy that came out of this, uh, his name was Henry Allen. This has got one of those major players, major guys in as part of the Baptist movement. Uh, but it's funny because he wasn't actually Baptist. He really wasn't a part of Interesting. a specific Baptist denomination. He was out of these new lights, which came from Jonathan Edwards and all those guys. But uh, Henry Allen, 
uh, moved to Nova Scotia when he was just 12 and then began ministry in 1776 uh, and continued on for a number of years. Um, but the funny thing is, like, he was actually referred to as the Nova Scotia Whitfield. Hmm. Uh, the reason being is that he was one of these guys who uh, just traveled around. Um, and just preached at all these different places, establishing churches, um, and was just on mission, man. Like, just giving her. Uh, they also called him the Apostle of the Maritimes um, because he was like a Paul, where right. he was just going around. Right. And he was going to all these different places with Making urgency yep. and just starting things. And, and what he was establishing were these new light churches, um, mostly. Um and then he was doing this, and, and the crazy thing is people have looked at his journals and they tried to map out all the different places he went to, and Henry Allen went across thousands and thousands of miles without the cars and trains and planes and things we have today. He was yeah. doing it by snowshoeing around, horseback, mm. whatever. And we think it's hard when like you have to drive like 40 minutes. Totally. It's yeah. like you get backed up on Highway 10 in Cloverdale and you're yeah. like, I hate my like, life. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The, you know this bro is yeah we're no shooing we are an instant culture yeah just a little bit so it's crazy to think that this guy in that day and age was traveling around like he was planning all these different churches and stuff so um even though he wasn't baptist he was one of these guys that helped get the baptist movement going uh he helped to establish what is now called uh the first true baptist church in canada which was established in wolfville nova scotia um, this church is actually tied directly to or said to be directly connected to that first church that was ever uh, the first Baptist church in Nova Scotia, hmm. um, the one that technically okay. died out. So Henry Allen kind of uh, got that one going again nice. and sort of restarted it, brought new life to it. Uh, and this is like, this is the OGs, man. This is <laughs> the That's OG of the Baptist yeah. movement. Yeah. Um, they would actually go on to plant like 20 churches. Um and then uh, the OGs, look yeah, at them the, the OGs of the Baptist movement, yeah, uh, which is crazy. But then you have you know Henry Allen. It was um, end of eight years. He went back down. He went to uh, New England, and that's actually where he died and where he was buried, which is crazy because you have this guy that started all this stuff and then he goes and he actually you know ends his time in the same town where Jonathan Edwards was known. Um, so he wasn't around that long, Very cool. yeah. but accomplished a lot yeah. and, you know, just hustled like crazy. Right. And basically nuts. where the Baptist movement across Canada started. Yeah. That, was, ushered a, that, in. that was the first kind of foray into this. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't even a Baptist guy. Right. Technically, right. according to a bunch of these right. you know sources and books. And, you know, there's Alan, but then you got to think about how many other people that were around him that were so involved in that process as well. For sure. Yeah, so it's yeah, it's nuts. So, but the thing to note from that is like you go look at a guy like Henry Allen, and the the characteristic of this new movement into Canada was this apostolic zeal um, that just embodied the Baptists that were coming into Canada and planting yeah, churches good. and stuff. That's where good. it's like they were just like they were just going. They, they were, had the vision. They had it, the drive, and they kind of caught it from this revival atmosphere that had come from like the Great Awakening awakening and stuff and they're like yeah let's see that happen let's you know let's make that happen and let's do whatever it takes right um so it's nuts to think that you know you guys like henry allen but that this great revival that began in new england just spread up into the maritime provinces and then 
it just kept going. Right. It kept spreading, and it didn't end there, obviously, right? Because yeah. it's like, you know, as we're going to talk about in a minute, it doesn't stop in the East Coast. It starts to spread mm-hmm. and starts to move uh, all the way across, which is pretty cool. It's, it's pretty nuts, like, that it came from that tiny little... Nova Scotia. Because let's be honest, yeah. Nova Scotia. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not people. Uh, not many people rave about Nova Scotia. No, not a lot of let's people going that. to Nova Scotia no, or New Brunswick not. or definitely whatever. Um, you do have guys that would like. There was other guys like Joseph Crandall who was planning the first Baptist church in New Brunswick, so it did start to spread and stuff right. like that. But right. again, it, honestly, like I don't think of the East Coast as the the hub. No, you but know that's I mean? where it started. It's like I don't know many people going to there. No. It's like I got a buddy named Dan who came from there because, you know, obvious reasons. He wanted to come to Vancouver yeah, that's instead. That's <laughs> the story you hear. The story you hear is people coming from there. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's where it all began. That's where it all started um, in that sort of late uh, 1770s era. Uh, and throughout all those years, and you got, you know, movements and things. And um, already people, like kind of intention about different things and all that kind of stuff people's egos getting in the way whatever but then it started to move and it started to actually take hold um moving west too so uh from about the years like late 1700s 1795 ish onwards for the next hundred years or so uh the movement goes into ontario and quebec uh which apparently used to be called upper and lower canada okay yeah, makes sense. There's a part of me that thinks I learned that back in social studies or right. something. But <laughs> right. let's be honest, like social studies, grade nine, not much of that is going to Yeah, stay. yeah, no, you weren't um, listening in that class. No, yeah. So, you know, this was like a whole new exploration again. It was like, oh, really? Canada right, was yeah, upper yeah. and lower Canada? Social studies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Wasn't that much more interesting the second time. <laughs> <laughs> but we're doing a podcast on it, so it's a bit more interesting. Totally, so it's yeah. kind of fun. Yeah. So anyway, so it moves into Ontario and Quebec, um, but it wasn't just these guys moving from the East Coast inwards that started all this. It was all these missionary organizations just south of the border who sent all these people up and were like, hey, go plant churches, go be in all these places. Um, and so you have the first Baptist church coming out of this in Ontario in about 1796, yeah. um, which is in present-day Kingston, right. Ontario. Uh, and then apparently, and again, this one I couldn't find accurate numbers. It kept changing whenever I looked at different sources. Were you looking um, at Wikipedia, or where are you going to? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. isn't that where you got everything? <laughs> <laughs> That's how I do my research papers, actually. Cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. shout out to Eric. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, but then, so for Montreal, Quebec, apparently the first Baptist church there was 1831, which is like, you know, that's 35-ish years later. Um, but I honestly couldn't find a good good number on that. Cause and so people, how, was, how was the, do you know what that transition was like when you're having these American people moving up and then you have the Canadians? Yeah, like, you, in this period, had actually a lot of tension, which is, Interesting, uh, because you did have all these people coming up from the U.S., uh, but then you also had all these people coming in from Britain, and so different theologies, even people coming right. in from Scotland, you know, crazy Scots and whatnot. Right. Uh, everybody coming together. <laughs> <laughs> Throw it to the Scots, right? 
I don't think that was a Scottish accent. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I don't think that was Scottish. I'm not known for my accents. No. But, uh, Anyways. So, tension. Yes. There's a bunch of tension in this area at this time. Uh, you know, different views, people's different traditions and stuff when they're bringing them in from Britain and things like that. Uh, but regardless, yeah. uh, by 1820... Uh, so about 25 years after the first Baptist church in Ontario, you had between Ontario and Quebec about 20 Baptist congregations. Um, but yeah, still throughout that, you had a lot of tension, uh, people kind of contending over what they were supposed to do gotcha. and, be and all that. Um, but then there's this other cool thing that happened. Uh, there's these two British guys named John Gilmore and William Fraser. Yep. And these guys uh, came from Britain uh, and brought life to the Baptist movement, but not necessarily because of what they did in Canada, but it was actually the work that they did back in Britain uh, because they helped to secure hmm. and establish something called the Baptist Canadian Missionary Society in 1837, which was an organization or a society in <laughs> Britain that raised funds in Britain uh, to help with evangelistic efforts in Canada. Very cool. So they were actually part of this Baptist movement, but they were raising money, and so you have international, national, whatever it is. Um, Participation, yeah, international support. Thanks. Um, in this, and so it was actually like you already had people from Britain, not just sending people, but sending finances in uh, as well. And so it was at the at this point that you started to see some of the associations happening too. Right. Um, there, there was another thing. Oh, yeah. So some of the associations that you saw starting to happen at this point, um, starting as early as 1798. 1799 you had people were um they were kind of leaving some of their past associations and so you had like the new lights and people like that who were now starting to come together and they're actually joining with this baptist movement um and so you had some of these associations starting where people were realizing like hey we're actually a lot stronger if we do this together um so late 1700s you had a small group of churches called the baptist and congregational association basically got together because theology was getting crazy and so they're like hey let's you know get some authority on this restrict mm. this um it eventually became known as the nova scotia baptist association mm. um but yeah so you had all these different associations happening and a bunch of weird little ones happening in ontario and quebec and uh that's one of the interesting things about canadian baptist history is that there's a lot of starting and stopping so they'd go for a while and something would get and going flows, and then right. it would end. And then yeah. they'd get something going and then it would end. And like the associations. Gotta wonder why. Yeah, I don't know. Like they just couldn't keep it going, I guess. Yeah. Like, yeah, things were just dying out and restarting. And the associations, they just constantly changed. It was like, oh, let's change our name to this and then this and add these people and move those people and whatever right. else. So it's kind of weird. Um, so it keeps moving. Right, the the movement keeps going across Canada, and we move uh, from Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, into Ontario, Quebec, and then we go west even farther. Right, like it kind of keeps keeps on going. Yeah, I, I find it interesting how God uses individuals to make so many of these movements happen. So we have Henry Allen, yeah, and then um, as as the Baptist movement goes west across Canada, uh, a guy named Alexander McDonald, he's kind of the primary. Um, instigator for making this happen. Right. Um, so he was sent from Ontario to Winnipeg. When, when was this? This like is in 1873. Okay. Yeah, good, good point. Um, so he was sent to Winnipeg, and he's there. He's trying to make things happen, trying to plant this first Baptist church in Manitoba. And he realizes 
Oh my goodness, I need way more manpower. <laughs> I'm done. He's like, I'm, I'm like, what did I get myself into? He's yeah. like, I need more manpower. I need more funds. And let's be honest, planters aren't making much money anyways. But he needed funds to actually make the plant happen. Totally. So he goes back to Ontario. It takes a few weeks to travel. And he spends six months looking for just at least one more missionary and then money. So he travels and he speaks at a whole bunch of different churches, sometimes multiple per day, just about every day. He was in a church pleading his case and um, trying to raise support. And over six months, he was disappointed because he never actually found a missionary to go back with him. Hmm. But he actually found a wife. So he gets married. And he who finds a wife finds a good thing, right? Oh, yeah. He found a good thing. <laughs> and because they're actually saying that his wife was the invaluable missionary oh, that cool. he was looking for. Yeah, yeah. Which which just goes to show, like, I, I think that a spouse can be either a hindrance or a catalyst for success in somebody's personal ministry. Yeah. And sure. uh, like a guy like John Wesley, he got married to somebody who turned out to be people describe as quite crazy. <laughs> and and there's stories of... Quote, quote unquote, quote, nut job. Nut job, yes. Nut job. And there's, so good. there are stories of people going into his house and she's yelling at John and it's like, where's John? Well, he's on the ground being dragged by his hair because the woman is just like, is pretty, yeah, pretty nuts. And so she really hindered John Wesley's ministry. Imagine what he could have done without her. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. You never know, right? She was kind of the thorn in his flesh, it seems like, but he had problems of his own. Yeah. Um, But what's fascinating though is with, is with Alexander McDonald, this, this woman was amazing and that she traveled day and night land and water with him all the way back to Mm. Winnipeg for over three weeks and they ended up planting the first Baptist church of Winnipeg in 1875 that's so neat and another interesting point around that time is in the mid 1880s the method get this the Methodists had 90 missionaries in Manitoba and the Northwest the Anglicans had 80 missionaries. The Presbyterians had 80 missionaries. And the Baptists come in with a whopping three missionaries. Slightly outnumbered. Slightly outnumbered. So Alexander McDonald is like, he's giving his life for the cause. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're all they're all giving their lives for the same cause. But in terms of Baptist history, right. he was pretty much... A, he was the guy. Yeah, he was the guy moving it west. Yeah, totally. Um, so that's really cool to see. Yeah. And then eventually, uh, the, Bapti- the first Baptist church that was planted in British Columbia was in 1876 in Victoria. Hmm. And then in, in New Westminster uh, in 1878. And then yeah, New this, West, come on. Yeah, New West, shout out. And then this, this formed the um, Western provinces. They came together and they formed the Baptist Convention of Western Canada. Hmm. And then in 2007... Is renamed to the Canadian Baptists of Western Canada. Cool. So cool to yeah, see the history there moving moving west. Yeah, I think like this cool in what you said about uh, Alexander McDonald's wife too. It's like finding someone to do ministry with right. is important, um, and it makes me think like back to the other guys like Henry Allen or you know any of the other big players that you know or all the little ones too but whatever all these guys throughout the history of the church uh, in Canada and it's like we know their name but it's like who was their number two right 
who was their their support team and like yeah. all these people because it's like they couldn't have done it by themselves. No. Um, they needed people around them and stuff too. Yeah. So I think it just speaks to the fact that it's like yeah, like having those the right people around is invaluable um, to seeing it all happen. Yeah, because when you do things when you do things independently without like the council, without the people around you, you're not going to be making the wise choice. You're not going to be doing the things I believe that you should be doing. So when you even look at John Wesley, um, he had all these rules, all these um, these guidelines that the ministers below him that were planning underneath him had to abide by. Yeah. But he had nobody over top of him to actually have that kind of accountability. Right. And so many historians, when they look at John Wesley, West, well, I don't know about many, but there's one guy that I read. <laughs> there's one historian there's that I read. There's one article on Wikipedia. And, yeah, there's one article on Wikipedia. <laughs> like, when you look at the bottom, it didn't have a source. Um, no, but there was one author that said so, um, the the fall for John Wesley, I wouldn't say it's a fall, but the fact that he ended up with the wife he did end up with yeah. was because he was not abiding by the same guidelines he gave his the other ministers below him hmm. and so the accountability is so important right and getting wise counsel is so important yeah. because if you're doing this in a silo if you're doing it independently you're never going to be as fruitful as you could be we're meant to be doing it as a church as a church body which is so evident in this story right. of how we see the movement going across Canada. It was never Henry Allen alone. Mm. It was the people around him that were planning those 20 churches in the Maritimes. Yeah. And sure. so and so, even looking at that in, in modern day, you think about these denominations and you think, okay, how are we supposed to relate together? Do we just, are we supposed to be so adamant that our way is the correct way? Right. That we ignore the other denominations so do we partner yeah i mean it's pretty safe to say we we should partner but yeah for sure but do we like but do how, we, how good yeah. are we actually doing yeah, that? exactly yeah i don't know um like for us right now it's like you have so many so many different denominations and even with you know the ba- like within baptist it's like there's all these sub denominations and different pieces and people and whatever else but even just looking for us around here it's like we partner with some churches for sure but um yeah, like, I'm curious, like, what it looked like back then. Like, what were all these, like, associations looking like back then? Right, right. Yeah. And when I look at that subject, I like to just think about how we inter- how our, our interactions are so different now than they were back then. Because sure. tech- it was a lot more practical back then, and pastors would actually go to the church buildings. And then congregants would see pastors actually talking to each other in church buildings, whereas now technology... We have pastors just talking in across different denominations or different churches through email threads, right. and nobody actually sees it. Yeah. And so, so I think that dynamic tangible. is so different, way less tangible. And you think about how would things change if we saw a unity on more the forefront, mm. if it was a, l- a bit more visible right. that is happening. Yeah. And I'll always remember this one story about um, four four years ago. Mark Clark of our church village, he was preaching and he said that the pastor of Relate Church, which is a far, a much smaller church, wanted to meet up with him and they met up for coffee and he said, hey, we did it. We felt we should do a tithe 
for Village, right. and they decided to give fifty thousand dollars to Village yeah, Church. Yeah, that. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was a very high number. Yeah, and that impacted me so much because you're seeing cross denomination, mm-hmm. and you're seeing the smaller church supporting the bigger church. That to me is like gospel beyond borders, and the unity that if we can see that moving forward will change Canada. And even uh, even within that, it's like it's in the same like block radius. It's like the church that gave to yeah. village. It's like there's no competition because it was like yeah. It's like there's clearly no ego behind it because it was like you're literally a church like two minutes down the road, right? And we're actually going to help make sure right. that you can do what you're doing. It's incredible generosity, so yeah. Um, but I think that's just yeah, it's just a testament to the aspects of it that we do see right now. Yeah, where churches are working together, they are doing things um, across denominations or with denominations and things like that, which is cool. Um, okay, we could probably keep talking about that, but. One of the things before we move to kind of the last section is like the thing that one of the factors that always stands out for me is that the whole movement of Baptists in Canada wasn't this. Uh, for me, it all comes back to like the Great Awakening, where everything that happened in Canada was clearly this move of God. It wasn't on the backs of guys like Henry Allen or whatever. It's like they were the ones willing to say yes to whatever it was God was calling them to. But ultimately, it's like the spirit was moving and doing something super crazy. Right. And that, I think, is just like, we have to come back to that. of like right. God chose to do something right. nuts that has actually impacted us today. Right. And that actually saw a whole movement of churches. Yeah, it wasn't some Canada. man-made movement. No. It was supernatural. Totally. Yeah. So I think that's like a huge factor um, in, in seeing like the movement of, of churches and yeah, Baptists across agree. Canada. And I think... So there's different things that I think play into that. Um, one was just looking at the first post-secondary institution in Canada, yeah. which Acadia College yeah. in Nova Scotia. That was in 1838. And so they didn't have any theological training in Canada back then. Hmm. And in fact, it took over a hundred years. It took just under 100 years before there was the very first Bachelor of Divinity degree, sorry, degree in Canada, and that was in 1923. So it almost took 100 years. And in that time, the Maritimes lost a ton of possible pastors and ministers because they wanted education. So they went to New England area and they found training there. And so now we have schools all across Canada, like take your pick. And we're we're in a program that's fortunate enough that we can actually be within a church mm-hmm. while we do our our, our uh, theological work and training. Yeah, so good. But but what I find to be fascinating is that that desire for schooling and training mm-hmm. can take away from the the flowing, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, creating revivals or movements like that. That kind of charismatic. Um, heart and zeal mm. that you see in history of Canada and across the world. Right. And so I'm not saying education is bad. I think it's great. There's some people obviously that need it, yeah. um, that are waiting. <laughs> some like people, some not, people need it. Yeah. I don't need it. Yeah. My, my parents forced me to take it. Personally, no, yeah. I think I'm okay. No, it, there's obviously people that are way more on the spirit end. And that's amazing because they're allowing God to do incredible things causing incredible movements yeah but then there's also some that are in that camp but need that theological training mm. and there's some people in the theological training that need to be reminded of that entire that that um spirit realm and that that movement revival side that mm-hmm. we can just miss and i think i fall into that camp 
now hmm. is I'm a lot yeah, more a lot on the training do. side yeah. as opposed to the spirit right. side. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think that's huge. It's knowing like how to, how do you balance that? Cause it's like, you know, these, I just think like, okay, I feel like God's calling me out to like ministry or whatever. And it's like, how do you know the timing of that? And you know, for some people there's going to maybe be that, um, okay. It's like God called you you only have a year of Bible college, but it's like, you actually have this opportunity to go plant and do this thing. And it's like, okay, that's nuts. But then the flip side is like, oh yeah, God called me, but it's like, you know, no, not yet. I got to do eight years of school first. Right. And then I'll start doing ministry. Right. right. It's like, well, yeah. It's like, like, do you, you, do you ever, do you ever get to a point where you're, you're ready for ministry? Or yeah, exactly. It, and you, you just start. And that's, that's the thing with the programs is you might think, oh, in yeah. four years, yeah. then I'll be ready. Yeah. But that's not the case. It's yeah. everybody has a ministry, whether you're wanting to be a pastor or not. Mm-hmm. And that's why, I mean, you know, come on, like Immerse is so great. Right. Immerse. What's Immerse? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, like, you know, subtle plug. But seriously, like, that's actually yeah, Immerse thing is, is like, that's you, know, why you, you totally, do get to do both at the totally. same time. So it's not like, okay, I'm going to do my school and then I'm going to start ministry, which happens a lot right. for guys that go to seminary. But you're us, practicing church yeah. ministry while you're doing the schooling. Exactly. Which is it's a part of the curriculum. Yeah. So yeah. good. Um, yeah. What else? Was there anything else that kind of like came up towards the end? Like, you know, moving into the now or anything like that? I don't remember if there's kind of like more movements into what we have now for Baptists in Canada. No, I think that we basically covered the, the main gists of it. What, okay, so one maybe one last question. Um, what do we like? What do you think about um, the place of denominations just in Canada going forward? Because we were kind of saying like, okay, denominations—do right. they really matter? Do people really care? Um, do the most people really care? Like just lower level too? Because you have to think like like when I came to Village, I had no idea that it was a Baptist church. Right. That didn't really. That matter. didn't make a huge. Difference. It was like my friends were going here. The worship was great. Yeah. The preaching was great. Yeah. It was solid, theologically sound, whatever. Yeah. I'm in. Right. But the fact that it was a Baptist church didn't really sway that for me. Right. And I think if you asked a ton of people in our church, it's like, they don't know. <laughs> no, they I think don't. most people don't even know. And I think that's common for most churches. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like, oh, what? We're Mennonite. Which just goes to what show that, that, yeah, exactly. It's like, I don't know. Yeah. Non-denominational, basically. Like, right. <laughs> and I, and I worked in a, in a Mennonite Brethren church for a year. Yeah. And now I'm here at Village and Baptist. And, you know, the differences are subtle theologically. Like, yeah. it's, it's not these big deal kind of um, issues that come up. I, it's not that case. And somebody that I like to always think of is just my mom. She she just loves Jesus and her theology could definitely be sharpened. Bless my mom. I yeah. love her. We, we love you, but, Andrew's mom. And, but that's why I love my mom in that area is just the fact that she it's just all about Jesus for her. Mm. And that's refreshing for me, especially as somebody that's getting theological training right. to at the end of the day, realize, you know what? You don't have to know X, Y, Z. You just have to know Jesus came, died, suffered for you, rose again, and he loves you and we can have a relationship with him. And yeah. that's what it's all about. And an example I like to give is just the tower of Babylon, how they were, they were building and so high and God said, you know, what? I'm going to create languages mm. and it just disrupted the entire project. Yeah. And, and so denominations, it's, you know, it, it can kind of feel similar. Well, it's like that and inf- we're inflicting that on ourselves now. And we, we've inflicted Where it on like ourselves. You have your language yeah. and you have your way of talking about Jesus. Exactly. We're going to have ours and let's not associate. Exactly. Because, 
I don't like. And, and I feel like as we're moving forward, as as government is actually creating more restrictions for the church, as we're noticing that our cities are becoming um, less and less about even finding some sort of a deity or or a religious right. um, option, yeah. that we need to band together as churches, that there needs to be that unity. We need to just overlook the boundaries or the differences that we have and actually reach our city, reach our nation. And I feel like that's kind of where we're going as a church. Yeah, I think that's where we're going to have to go. Uh, if we really want to see something happen. It's like we have to move away from this egotistical thing about theologies and the things that don't really matter and move beyond that into this realm of like, hey, we actually keep the main thing the main thing right. and we can actually be together on this. Right. Even just looking at the village staff where there's just, like you have such a diverse everybody's, staff. Everybody's, yeah. yeah. It's like even the pastors and stuff. It's like there's, you know, we all align under right. Baptist uh, doctrine and things like that and, and the Baptist like statement of faith and we all agree um, for the most part, it's like, but then there's deviations and a bunch mm-hmm. of things and nuances totally. and it's okay. And like, some people are a little more charismatic than others yeah. and like, but it's fine because we're all like, we agree on the main things. Right. And so we can actually band together and be yeah. on mission and do what Jesus has called us yeah. to do, um, regardless of differences. And I yeah. think that's where the church is going to go. Yeah. I think, I think so where too. it needs to go. Yeah. Cause otherwise it's like, it's like Jesus talking about like when he casts out a demon, and everybody's like, oh, he's Beelzebub or whatever. It's like, he's of the devil himself. Yeah. And he's like a house divided against itself. Won't stand. Yeah. It doesn't work. And it's like, it's a we're great, the house divided point. against ourselves. Great point. It's like, he, I'm not. We need to overlook it. We have that, to get but, over ourselves. Yeah. So I think it can be an egotistical thing. And like, yeah. it's the only way that we're actually going to change this. And, and look at the, um, the underground church in China. Right. Like yeah. I, they're. I think they're I think they're the fastest growing church in the world. I think so. One of like there is rapid growth. Yeah. But I mean, are they denominational? Like they can't even have church <laughs> services. Right. So it's like I, nobody cares. Yeah. They're just meeting. Yeah. And that's that's what I think maybe we need to be getting back to right. in Canada. And yeah. again, maybe this won't be as obvious because we're so technological. Yeah. And like, what does that practically look like? I don't For know. Sure. That could be a further discussion. Right. But looking back across this history of Canada, seeing where we are now, looking forward, I think there's um, a reason to believe that we as a church, as a body, need to be united together mm-hmm. and um yeah very totally. thankful for these guys that that allowed us to have this liberty yeah it's pretty crazy to, to worship see. god in, yeah. in british columbia for sure yeah. yeah it's cool yeah i think that's it I think yeah we've covered most of it thank you to everyone who's made it to the end of this podcast um le- learning and exploring some of the baptist history in canada some of the movements some of the people um it's been good so thank you guys for joining us on the immersed in theology Thanks, podcast guys. Uh, Have a good rest of your week. Until next time. Later. This has been an Extend Network production.